Welcome to the True Masculine Project. My name is Eric. I'm your host and fellow student on the path of masculinity. On this show, we will discuss personal development and masculine principles so we can be the best men that we can be. If you are new to the show, welcome, and you may want to head on over to the intro episode. Uh, describes the format and a little bit more about what we want to cover here. And for the rest of us, on to the show. Yo, and welcome into the show. Today, we are going to talk about money. And before we even get started, I am not a financial advisor, and this is not financial advice. Um, however, just some general ways to look at money that may open up your mind a little bit, uh, make you see where some of your old habits are not serving you in your money goals, uh, what money actually is and what it is not, um, and some other things I wanted to cover there. There'll be some basic investing stuff that I got out of some, out of some books. Spoiler alert, Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be Rich, uh, but we will get to that. Let's get started. So, um, and for the record, I'm one of those people that believes that we would not need money if people would just act right. Uh, Essentially, money is a way of making sure that people are putting energy into the system when the amount of people around you are just too big to keep track of like you used to do in tribes. Like if Billy wasn't helping you hunt or gather, then Billy's ass did not eat. Uh, but we can't do that uh, as a society now, so we have money. If you could trust everybody to do what they were supposed to do um, and just sort of share the things when they needed it and not hoard it, we wouldn't need money, but people don't act right. So here we are. Now, uh, people believe money to be things that it is not, and this is where a lot of your problems come from. Money is a facilitator of things. It is not security. Money is not happiness. Money is not any of the things that you believe it to be. It's definitely not the root of all evil. That's some poor people shit. Money is just a facilitator of things. So if you're chasing money uh, just for the root of chasing money to feel some emotional security, you may want to double check uh, with yourself, one, why you want the money in the first place. But two, is money the best way to go about feeling that emotional need uh maybe you could work a little bit less if you spent more time with your friends and you were using money as a change for um connection let's say or you're using money as a means to hire a team of security or something silly like that because you never really feel secure Uh, the point is make sure you're not trying to feel an emotional need with money money will not buy happiness there are plenty of rich uh famous people who have committed suicide Uh, musicians come to mind immediately r.i.p to chester from lincoln park and there's others um but the point is that that shit's not going to make you feel happy if you're not happy the way you are now or what's going on in your life now the amount of money is not going to fix that money will fix your money problems sure not saying it's not an important resource to have access to it to be able to get because it definitely is but make sure that the holes that you're trying to fill The problems that you have are indeed money problems and not, uh, you know, I feel like I need to make enough money so I can impress people with the shit that I buy problems, right? Like if you're trying to fill emotional needs with money, it's going to take way more money uh, than you may need otherwise, which also in most people's case is going to trade way more of your time, your life per day in exchange for that money. Money is a facilitator. It is not other things. 
part two, which is probably going to make a lot of people mad, is that money is basically earned on value and replaceability of the service or, per or person, not on the importance of the task. And those two things sound like they are the same or interchangeable, but they are not. Um, because something is important and needs to be done does not mean it is not easily trainable or easily replaceable to have somebody else do it. Um, as long as we're living in the system that we are living in, um, and whether or not you agree to that is up to some debate. It's hard to have this conversation in podcast form because I don't have somebody else on the other side. However, uh, if you provide something that is high in value but is easily replaced, your wage can be lower, um, especially because people just don't want a collective bargain, and I'm not getting into that. But if we're talking about a single person bargaining and negotiating with an entity, it doesn't matter how valuable your service is, uh, if it is easily replaceable, easily trainable. Um, doesn't matter how important it is if it is easily replaceable, easily trainable. Now we're moving into a new world where personality means a lot because you're able to reach a lot of people uh, via Instagram or other social media accounts or LinkedIn or whatever. So who you are as a person, uh, you're starting to be able to get more personable with people on large scales, but which makes you, by the way, less replaceable and thusly able to command more money because more people know you are familiar with you, willing to listen to what you say just based on your name. So the work can be hard, but if it's hard work and easily replaced, it will not pay that much. The The sweet spot is if you can find something that you enjoy, uh, and you can get to the point where it is hard to replace you and a bunch of people value what you are able to provide. Um, at that point, you make a lot of money. It's easy to look at athletes, for instance, Professional basketball and football players and baseball especially make a lot of money because what they do uh, is valuable, aka people are willing to pay to see it, and it is not easily replaced. When you get to that top level, it's very hard to be that good, um, and given that the talent is so high, they're not easily replaceable, thus they command salaries. Uh, baseball actually has one of the strongest unions, which is also why their salaries are so much higher than any other athlete that they play a lot of games. All right, so in summary, it does not matter how important the job is. If it is easily replaceable, if there are a large pool of people who could do the job or do whatever you're doing as well as you can, you know, without a giant drop in quality, then the pay for that position will not be that high. The more specialized you get, the more money you can make because it is harder to find people who can do what you do. Now, conversely, you make yourself uh, irreplaceable in a company based on mixing a few different things, like I do X, Y, Z very well that other that your other employees can't do. Uh, then you're able to command a higher salary, and if your current employer doesn't see the value in that, then fuck them and just apply to somewhere else. If you're good enough, you'll find a new job with someone willing to pay you what you are worth. Don't care what your resume has on it. Um, I've gotten plenty of interviews, plenty of jobs, um, high-paying ones. And I never went to college, right? So it is possible you may have to try harder, you may have to network, you may need to know people, which is frankly how most people get their jobs anyway. They knew somebody, but the option to make the money is out there. Uh, and if you haven't found it, you either aren't playing the game the way the game needs to be played, or you are not trying hard enough. Okay, so another factor uh, that's going to go with your earning potential and frankly, the way you spend that money, even if you have a ton of it, 
is going to be how you relate to money, what you feel about money. Are rich people bad, poor people good? Um, if you have any sort of negative feelings towards money, it's going to be hard for you to keep it, uh, which is probably why you have certain spending habits. And you need to know that about yourself. We talked about the, you know, the cognitive dissonance phenomena, what basically causes most people who win a windfall of money to end up broke in three years or less. Uh, that more information on that can be found in the earlier episodes when we talk about the brain. Uh, I believe it's episode three or so, but it's one of the first few that we did. We talk about that happening. In any case, if you don't believe yourself that you should be able to earn some money, you won't even try to get it. Um, and basically, when it comes to negotiating, a lot of it is just a sense of knowing your worth. And if you value yourself at uh, less than the market, let's say, or less than what a company knows they should be paying you. The company is under no obligation to pay you the same rate as Bob when Bob is willing to negotiate because he knows how much he can make. And if a company is not willing to pay Bob, Bob's willing to move to another job, right? And you don't want to rock the boat or bring up any of the things that you've done because what if I lose this job, right? So worthiness, understanding what you are actually worth, the value that you provide to a company is going to be important terms of what you're willing to apply for and how much money that you are making now when it comes to spending people tend to have points where amounts of money in their bank account makes them feel comfortable and any more than that they start to spend it on stupid shit uh, now fun fact if you are one of these spend it on stupid shit people and i like to spend my money sometimes um you know randomly you should you need to find a way to keep it out of sight out of mind so whenever we're planning for let's say a long trip somewhere i have a separate bank account that is sort of a pain in the ass to transfer money out of to spend and it's uh, i don't see it when i log into my day-to-day -day checking and savings accounts so i send money out to it eventually it reaches the amount and i don't i'm not tempted to touch it i keep my emergency you know covid funds uh, which is really just a six months backlog of, of cash and you just built it up over time. That way, if there is an emergency situation, I can handle it. Uh, but you need to know the way that you sort of spend things and then protect yourself in regards to that. Now, since I touched on the savings thing, let's jump into that for a little bit. You want to keep three to six months of your total expenses and you can cut this in half if you and your partner split uh, bills and you're not being super conservative with this amount. If you want to be more conservative, I would take your entire household's worth of bills, pull up three months of cash for that and try to get that in a savings account. Doesn't matter if you're doing $5 a paycheck towards that savings account. When you don't need that job, at least for a good six months, three to six months, because you can find something else, you're much less likely to put up with bullshit. Money is frankly energy now that you put into the system that you can store and pay for shit later so instead of spending all of your energy the money that you get right you basically spend your life energy in exchange for dollar bills you spend that time which you can't get back in exchange for dollar bills make sure that you pay yourself that you set yourself up for random shit with that if you're going to give someone your life which is what you're doing in exchange for money Make sure that you got yourself taken care of. Don't spend all your fucking money. And then if something happens to you, you can't do anything about it. Now, obviously, we can't predict the future. So, you know, if you get cancer, you have to drain through a lot of your savings. That shit just sort of sucks. But 
to not be able to afford a $500 car part or whatever without scrambling um, and asking friends and family is just not the way to do it, uh, especially as a grown man, right? Now, I'm not saying that grown men should never have to ask for help because that would be stupid. What I am saying is that if you don't at least try to put yourself in a position that you won't have to ask your parents for help as a 30-year-old person, uh, then if something happens, it's sort of on you, right? Anyway, um, since I like to go off on tangents, but just to come back to the emergency fund thing for a second. So three to six months in an account that you can easily access in, let's say, three days or so if you really need to transfer the money uh, will make you, it's just going to lower your daily stress about what if something happens, I can need to pay bills, I can't pay bills, um, I can't take any breaks because if I do, I won't have any money coming in. It really changes a lot of your relation to money itself and what you're doing as a position in life uh, when you have some cash to fall back on now. Um, and then we'll talk about credit card debts and interest rates uh, after I touch on the book. Remy say tease, I will teach you to be rich. And now a brief word from one of our sponsors, Audible. Hey, so we have all heard that knowledge is power. So if knowledge is power, access and the ability to digest that knowledge is a superpower. Uh, however, not all of us have time to sit and read at the end of the day in our busy lives full of hustle and bustle. We are always on the move and in the middle of working long hours, trying to get things done, working on side projects, or frankly, just taking care of yourself and your family, you may not have time to sit down and read. And that's why I love Audible. Audible allows you to take advantage of those transition moments like the gym, like your drive to work, like cooking, to install new knowledge that you did not have before to help take you from where you are now to where you want to be. There are thousands of titles available on Audible, including bestsellers like Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is Away, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and others. Start your 30-day trial today and your first book is free. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast to get started. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-L.com slash true, T-R-U-E, mp podcast and now back to the show i uh, also briefly touched on this before but uh, whenever you go to look at purchases if you find money burning a hole in your pocket um, always just sort of compare what you're trying to buy versus how many hours on your job that you would have to get it uh, so sometimes i will look at you know a certain game that i kind of want or don't really need or really plan on playing and it's like okay I have to work X amount of hours of my life in exchange to be able to purchase this. Now, is that knowing that that's the case, is this going to be worth it? I don't do this on everything, obviously. Uh, sometimes it just helps with impulse purchases or really conf confirm, especially when you're looking at making a big investment. Um, and if you've never really paid for anything like a large sum at once, it could be a little scary because you're just handing somebody, let's say, six grand or whatever um, and just hoping that you get your return on that investment but understand do you think that that expenditure of funds is going to be like the return on the other side is going to be worth the amount of hours of your life that you put into to purchase that thing 
now uh, let's talk interest rates here. So the the funny thing about interest rates is that people have these credit cards or they'll send you shit in the mail with like 15% APR or 18% APR, or God forbid, 20% APR. The shit's high, right? But because they don't compare that, and it's not like school teaches you anything about this, um, you don't compare that to, let's say, what you could earn in the stock market. And this is excluding crazy uh, Wall Street bets type stuff. And crazy as in like it's really volatile and moves around a lot. Not crazy as in I think it's a bad idea and you shouldn't do it. You should just really know what you're doing before you get into something more than the lazy man's way of investing himself to having money in retirement, which I'll sort of talk about uh, later. But so you want appreciating assets, not depreciate, depreciating assets. So your, your average person is going to earn, let's say if we're being safe, around 10% or so a year. And that's if they're invested in like index funds. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to invest your way into riches while also carrying around a bunch of credit card debt. Or if you have a high interest debt um, on, let's say, a vehicle or something like that. Some basic setup of retirement, uh, you know, funds is fine. So you can get used to living with a certain amount of money, aka paying yourself first instead of paying everybody else and then having no money left over. Um, but until you pay off a bunch of debt, you want to keep just the uh, you want to keep investing as sort of a minimum, so you build into a habit, but not spend a ton of money, um, inv- you know, trying to save it or you know invest it into like a four hundred one k or an IRA if you're doing it yourself, because you are losing so much more money on the credit card front. Uh, you don't want to carry credit cards have a ton of good benefits. I personally buy as much shit as I can on the card if I plan on paying it off immediately because you get points. Just be careful with that. Um, also, if someone, you know, steals your credit card information, you don't have to fight to get your money back uh, like you do with the debit card. So it's got advantages. I'm not saying all, and I'm not even saying all debt is bad. Just make sure the debt is good debt. And what I mean by that is that either it's at a low interest rate um, you know, 3%, 2%, uh, four or five, whatever, uh, low is going to be comparable to whatever sort of credit rating you're having. But if it's a low interest rate, you could sort of ride with that for a while. Um, anything high like credit cards, most people's credit cards, right. Um, is going to be, is not going to be something you want to carry around, um, all the time because it's just a, a money suck. Got to get out of debt folks walking around too much bullshit for shit that you didn't really need. Uh, the majority of us anyway. Anyway, if you are the type of person who doesn't really understand how money works, how to invest it, why to invest it, how much you need to at least be putting in something per year uh, so that way when you go to retire, because um, I'm, I'm a type of person who doesn't even believe Social Security will be there by the time the millennial group gets to retirement. But frankly, it's not going to be enough to live on either. So you're going to want to have yourself uh, some other passive income coming in. Uh, Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be Rich, um, either version because he's got an anniversary edition with some updates, uh, is a very good place to start. And it's just basic stuff, how to set up your bills to be paid so you don't have to worry about it if that's the type of person uh, that you are. I personally like to just pay my bills when right after I get paid. That way I don't have to worry about it, you know, timings and stuff like that. But uh, if you're the type of person who sort of forgets to log in and pay shit, he talks about how you can set bills to come out of your account automatically, sort of based on your pay dates, uh, what type of investments are good to start with, why you should be investing, all the compound math, and my friend Ramit is qualified to give financial advice. 
and he's not so anti-debt like Dave Ramsey, where he says that you shouldn't have any ever. Um, and he does a good job of saying, hey, don't worry about the coffees, the lattes. That's not where you're going to save your money, although it is, although it's can. The, the thing that hurts people the most is having really high interest rates on um, houses or cars or any sort of large purchase because the it's, it's sort of hard to tell how much of that you're actually paying is interest without doing the math yourself. But he goes through all of that in this book. I love it for a basics of figuring out what to do with your cash. All right. So um, in summary, one, money is a facilitator. It is not those things. And you need to uncouple that so you make sure you're not chasing cash as a solution to something where cash will not fix it, will not buy you happiness. It will fix your money problems, but not your other fucking issues. There are a lot of things that people try to replace uh, your self-esteem. Money may make you feel a little bit better. It's not going to change how you fundamentally interact with the person because you're not going to, unless you're screwed fucking McDuck, you're not just going to draw that much uh, quote-unquote feeling of superiority due to money. And frankly, those people tend to be douches, not a lot of people with uh, friends, right? The dude who sort of brags around like my dad's a lawyer and he'll kick your ass is generally not a cool person to be around. Two, how you feel about yourself in relation to money and how you feel about money is going to dictate your ability to earn it, your ability to keep it, and your willingness to ask for it. If you feel that money is evil, you will never be able to collect it because you do not think it is a good thing to have. If you do not believe yourself worthy of money, you will never be able to have it because you do not let yourself have things that you are not worthy of. And three, there needs to be some sort of long-term plan for your money in advance of receiving that money. Don't pay everybody else without paying yourself at least a little bit. Even if you're in debt, even if things are hard, you can start with $1, $5. Hell, there was a time where I only put $20 into a fucking account or whatever, but the shit grows over time. The point is to get in the habit of saving. If your mindset is, I will start to save, I will start to plan for my future when I make X amount of dollars, you're going to make X amount of dollars and still not do that shit. If you can't save a penny out of a dollar, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to, you know, all of a sudden be able to save $100 out of $1,000. That ratio is probably not correct. You understand what the fuck I'm saying. If you don't, if you can't do it with a dollar, you can't do it with $10. You have to start somewhere. And like I said, fourthly, although that makes my list not as orderly. If uh, if you're just looking for basic investment, how to start, how to handle your money, Ramit Sethi's "I Will Teach You to Be Rich" is a really good basic primer for what to do uh, with cash. Um, now you can do a whole lot of cool advanced stuff if you want to get into options trading and thing like that. But I would take care of your debt first. I would take care of an emerging savings account first, um, and just learn how to save and how to invest and what to do with your cash. In general before you get into what is essentially gambling which is fine but uh, it's much more volatile and there's the potential to lose money now with risk comes the chance for a higher reward so you have to take that into account as well but I love you guys be good to each other and I'll see you thank you for hanging out with me on the true masculine project please like rate and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app uh, if you want to interact with the show, you can catch us on Instagram at true, T-R-U-E-M-P underscore podcast. See you next time.